So we're back into Acts. Um, last week, I thought Caitlin did an amazing job um, kind of walking us through getting our memory back on Acts. Um, I also remembered last week that I'm not very crafty, which I'm okay with. I'm all right with it. I, th- I think I'm okay with not being a very crafty human being. Um, but I loved all the, all the, uh, the visual, what was it called? A visual gallery. I was like, visual museum? I don't know if that's it. Visual gallery of kind of walking us through Acts. And so I, I don't need to do all of that, I don't think, since we did that last week. Um, but I do want us to remember that uh, the last thing that we, that we kind of had happen was Paul was in Lystra. It was going well, right? And then they wanted to sacrifice to him. Who did they think, who did they think that Paul and Barnabas were? Do you remember? Who else? Yes, awesome. Which would be the God and then the mouthpiece of the God, right? So they thought Paul and Barnabas were Zeus and Hermes. Remember, it's that crazy story of in the history of that town, um, Zeus had supposedly come to them and because they didn't recognize them, he killed everyone. <laughs> and so they had a monument to that and they're like, if this happens, we can't do that again, all right? We can't do that again. And so when Paul and Barnabas come, they're like, let's not err on not doing this. Let's sacrifice to them, right? <clears throat> and Paul and Barnabas are like, please don't do this. And they barely persuaded them and then in an instant, the, as, as the crowd from the other town was coming into town, from the, the town that kicked them out earlier, they, they come into town, stir up the crowd, because now they won't let them sacrifice, so, oh, they're not a god anymore, let's just stone him to death, right? Which is a very interesting turn of events to me. It's like, you loved me 10 minutes ago. But they drag Paul out of town, stone him, they think he's dead. The, the other disciple or apostles go... They, um, they kind of are just standing around him. He gets up, goes back into the city so that everyone in the city knows that they were not able to stone and kill him, but he's going to continue to preach and give that message. Anyway, much success. Well, now we're going to find they go back home and they meet with other followers there, their, their home church, their home base, whatever it is in the people, and that's kind of where we're picking back up. Okay? Does that work? Any questions thus far? All right, let's do it. But some men came, okay, let me go back to uh, verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went on down to Adalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they were commanded, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they had gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with them. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, okay, what does it mean if someone says there was no small dissent or debate with them? It blew up a little bit, right? You think it was like a kind back and forth in a respectful manner? Maybe, but doubtful, doubtful, right? No small dissension is such a wonderful way to say everyone was fired up in that conversation. There were strong feelings on both sides, and it got heated, and it was a disagreement. All right? it, was, it was serious. Okay, So no small dissent and debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both, both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy 
to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who had belonged to the party of the Pharisee rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, real quick, or not real quick, this is, this is the discussion. Why do you think, why do you think that that took hold? This, this idea that you had to be circumcised to be a believer, why was that able to take hold? What part of that? Which all just thoughts? They can be simple, they can be elaborate, but why in the world would that have taken hold and become a debate? It was a heritage of whose faith? Right. Did they know anything different than that to be in the community and one the community? That was, that was the first defining characteristic of what it meant to even be Jewish, right? The first one. Up on your body to show that you belong to a something, to a whole, right? And that's all they knew. That's, that's a good point. What else? And it's all they've known for a very long time. Yeah. Why else? Why else would that have taken hold? Right. God told them to. Right. God told them to do it. When did he tell them to do it? Does anyone know that? I shouldn't say it like that. Does anyone remember that? Does anyone know that? That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. Yeah, this is Abraham, but when? When did he tell him to? Like as he calls and makes covenant with him. So it's, it's pretty right on. It's, it's, it's right during the start of them having a relationship together, right? And God did tell him to do it. They didn't make it up. They didn't say, you know what we should do? <laughs> I hope they didn't just think of it like that, you know what I mean? That's not something you're just like, Mom, let me think here. How will the world know? No, no, that's not, that's not the reason. God tells him to do this. Gives him this directive, right? I think it's okay to laugh at that. But gives him the directive. What were you going to say, Ron? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right, that's a good thought. Did people do that to become Jewish at the time? Yeah, do you know what they were called? Well, proselytes. So people would, would see the Jewish community and say, I want to be a part of that. I really do, that's beautiful, they're loving, they're this, they're, they're being a blessing to the world. I want that. And they would say, how can I become one with this community? And that was something that every male had to do. In your household. If you want to be a part of this, you can be circumcised and then now be a, And there's other things too. It wasn't the only thing, but that was part of it, right? And yes, not a fun task, not a fun situation to put your whole family through, by the way. So if you're the head of the household, you're like, guess what, everyone that's grown or not grown, we're Jewish now. Lucky you, let's do this together, right? And that's what they would do. And, and, it, and it was a, a special, beautiful thing to them to be able to do that, to be a proselyte, to then be Jewish. 
they could go to a certain point in the temple, not, not in all ways like a Jewish heritage person. They could enter in part of the temple. They could enjoy the feasts. They can enjoy celebrating the Sabbath in the same way. They could also offer sacrifice. There was lots of things that came from that, and it was beautiful. People did like it. No one forced that on the communities they were a part of, right? So all these reasons are important. I think they're all true. I think that's reasons that that could have taken hold. Um, Let's keep going, and then I'll ask some more questions about that, though. I want to hear from you more. Um, Some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisee rose up, okay, and, and these again are party of the Pharisee that have become believers too, okay? This isn't like still the Pharisees that hate Christians that want to kill them all right now. This is, these are Pharisees that once were Pharisees, they still are a part of that learned sect, and now they are also Messianic. So they, they believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They are believers. They are part of this early church, right? We keep going. It says, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider the matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. What's he referring to? Anyone remember? Peter is referring to what story we read in Acts? No, but that's a good one, yes. The Gentiles would have heard them, but when did the first gentile believe and take that back to his family yes it was cornelius right a man loved by all and respected by jews and gentiles alike right he has this vision what happens in the vision a food blanket isn't that what you call it isn't that it a food blanket comes out of heaven food tent or whatever you call it um a food blanket comes from heaven with all these animals right god said or a voice says to him god says to him kill and eat it's time for you to eat lunch. Peter, as he usually does, <laughs> answers God or Jesus River and says, surely not. <laughs> Are you sure? I haven't touched anything unclean my whole life. And what does the voice say back? Yes, you're there. No, do not call, do not call unclean what I have made clean. So do not call something unclean that I am giving to you that I have said is clean, that I have said is beautiful, don't call it something else. It's this huge shift, right, in their heritage, in their culture, in the way Peter saw the world. So anyway, Peter sees the shift. He refers back to the story. He's like, remember guys, we had this talk then. Gentiles received the word and, and God gave it to them. And then he keeps going. Um, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, that is important for us, we're gonna come back to that, God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. I think that's interesting. He said, God knows the heart, but just so that we wouldn't judge the heart, he gave them the Holy Spirit as well so I would see it and be able to prove to you and come back. Not that they were able to just trust that God would do that, which I think is sad and beautiful at the same time. God knows that the Jewish believers here aren't going to even believe the Gentiles could have God's grace. So what God does, he said... I'm going to help this whole situation move forward. I'm also going to let the Holy Spirit be visible to them so that they can see and prove that they are, which I think is incredibly, again, gracious and sad. Very sad. And I think we have so much to learn from this, and we're going to get there. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So, uh, I'm excited about this passage, actually, today. Um, God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith, 
Now therefore, and this is this huge crux of passage to me. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Why are you putting God to the test? Why are you testing his graciousness and his wrath towards you by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that you couldn't even bear as well? You are putting an obstacle on them that you couldn't pass. Do not test God's patience, he says with that. And he goes on, but we believe, or we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. He says, look, we came to this faith by faith in Jesus to save us. Faith that the kingdom of heaven was actually graspable to us. We believed it just because someone said it was possible and we said, yes, let's step into that belief. That's all we had to do, he said. We have been walking in that and all it took for us was this step, I say all it took, but what it took from us is this step into faith. How quickly you have now said someone else must take extra steps. He said, you are putting a yoke on their neck to do something that you did not have to do. You came to this freely. You came to this through faith. Yet they must also have whatever it may be. Here's my question to us. Here's here's an indictment to us. We are still really good at this. Overly talented at putting yokes on people's necks. It's like that is, the, it's almost like that is our gift. And we, we do it subtly and we do it aggressively and we say to people, still, you must behave to believe to belong. It's the way it has to go. If you will just be circumcised, they said, and believe like us, then yes, we'll welcome you. And I'm sure in that argument, someone said, it's not that I don't love them, I'm welcoming. I have a friend just like them. A Gentile comes to my house too. I love him. I love all people, but he still needs to be circumcised for real. Yeah, he got to do that though. But it doesn't mean I don't welcome him. It's like, oh, no, it really does. It's exactly what it means. You mean unless they do this, they are not a part of you. You say you love them all you want. If you're saying, no, you can't be a part of me, it doesn't, doesn't sound loving to them. Because you're putting yokes on their necks that you didn't have to bear. You didn't have to do, right? They said it to people, we've said the church has said it to people with disease. Said it to people with mental disabilities. Said it to people with physical disabilities. They, they did here too. They were like, really? The, the guy's father didn't sin? That's why his leg doesn't... It wasn't his father's fault, really? Oh, okay, that's strange, but all right. That was a real belief then. But we we have this idea of, again, if you can just believe or behave like us, believe like us, then you can belong with us. It seems that Peter, these other apostles, dislike that. It already started already took root in people and they were moving forward with it. And so here's what I want to ask us. I don't want us to be honest with ourselves. 
what are the yokes we put in front of people, really? And I want to I hear from you on it. What are the yokes we put on people's necks? And we say, oh, it's not just belief for you, it's also this. You don't get the excuse of, I'm sorry, what? Right, attendance to a place. That's a good one. I say it's a good one. I don't guess it's a good one. (laughs) It's not good. It's a right answer. That's what I mean. Like, right. (laughs) That's like the weird thing, like you thumbs up something in social media that you're like, oh, that's real sad and terrible. Hey, yo, I like it. You know, (laughs) you're like, what does that mean? Anyway, what else? What are the yokes that we put on people? We want, you to be, we want you to hide your imperfection. As long as you can be like sneaky imperfect, you're all set. You're visually imperfect and you put that out there, no thank you. You need to fix that, right? I had a talk with, yeah, go ahead. Nope. Right. I agree with that. We're, we're guilty of that one. We can be, uh, yeah, we can shame someone for not recycling here. <laughs> we can do that. But no, I agree. It's this, this, this cultural way of like, if you fit into the Austin culture way, you can belong with us, right? That, that can feel like that, I bet, to some people. What else? Yeah, instant. Um, some other things that, that we have hindered to, to faith in history is your color, right? right? The color of person you marry. The anyone you love or marry. The amount of money you have. Why you have the money or not have the money, right? Um, your background, the... the sins that are public ones, the sin management you use, how you manage certain sins or not, all these things we put on the necks of people. And a lot of times we put them on ourselves as well. I think we're very, very good at putting them on someone else. And what they were doing at the time was exactly that way. They were saying, look, we love you. We welcome you. We're fine with you getting this. You just also need this other step. We didn't have to take that step. Because we were born into that step. But you need to, right? It's like, it's like we used to go out, saying we, because I'm a part of the story, part of Christianity as a whole. We used to go to places and say, now you must learn English and learn to read to be able to get the gospel from us, right? You can't, surely you can't understand the grace of God because you can't read English, right? And we did that. We made people speak English, and we took their children, and we said, your children have to speak English. They have to go here. They can't stay with you. They can't do these things. We, we are 
we have gotten better at this through the years. And yeah, we may do it subtly now, and we may again pretend we are welcoming now, but there's bias in each of us that has to be rooted out. And there's, there's not only bias, but there is, there is yoke that we are handing out to people. We are handing out stumbling blocks to people. And Peter doesn't say, oh, we understand, we're all going to do that at some time. Peter says, how dare you test God's patience with that? How dare you test the Lord in those words you say, in the way you feel towards that person, in this underlying current that you're going to give to them when they show up? How dare you test my grace? How dare you test my grace by by being welcome to some people that would enter your doors and less welcoming to others because you may not know what to say. And they continue. He says, but we believe and we were saved through faith, through faith in the grace of the Lord, just as they will be saved from that same faith. And listen to verse 12. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Paul and they listened to Barnabas as they related the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they finished speaking, James said, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take, them, um, to take from them a people for his name. And with these words, the prophets agree, as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who make these things known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble these of the Gentiles, or not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but we should write them to abstain from things that pollute from idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him. For he is read every Sabbath. For he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. So what do they decide? What do they end up deciding? No, they don't have to be circumcised, right? They go with that. They go with, that's fine. We understand. We won't make them do that. Do you think everyone was happy with that decision? Probably not. Probably not, right? They probably disagreed still, some people. Some people probably, probably still held to that. Do you think, even if they agreed and said, okay, let's move forward, that there was probably a little bit of a twinge of ache when someone would call themselves a believer or someone would be at a Jewish home when they were entering dinner and they, and they knew they hadn't taken part in that? There's probably a, a twinge. There's probably some, some frustration on the parts of some that that's the way the church was going, Right? They moved forward and they attempted to go that route. And they said, look, we understand, we we believe that this is the way to go, so let's go that way. Probably hard for some. How long did it last, right? How long does this last? Do we know other, it's coming, sorry, other stories are coming, they do this over and over and over again. This is going to be the story of Acts as they go, pretty much. Things happen in other nations, in other cultures, they come back and the church is like, what? You sound very, very liberal with what you're doing. And I don't mean liberal in the conservative liberal context. Like, you're taking a lot of liberties with how you're saying they can still be believers here. And they keep coming back to, look, faith by grace. That is what we are saying, faith by grace. 
And every place they come back with new stories and new crazy people out there, right? New imperfect people. New imperfect people with cultural backgrounds that disgust them. New imperfect people with cultural backgrounds that they've just had never heard of and don't understand. But they continue to come back to know faith by grace. They continue to attempt belong, believe, behavior will help with along the way. They continue to come back to that. And, and I just had a talk with my father this morning. Their church uh, back in Harleton, Texas is dealing with some of these same issues. And our church deals with these same issues. Is how true are we going to be to belong, believe, let's behave together along the way? How true are we going to be to that? Because I think we want to be. We want to be. We want to be a church that says, no, you just belong with us. We want to be like Jesus when he goes to a party and the tax collectors and the prostitutes are all who showed up and he says, these are my people. I like this party. Let's do this together. And he drinks enough for them to call him a drunkard. He eats enough and parties enough for them to call him a glutton. And he says, no, these people belong with me though. I like them. They're my people. Just because. Just because they showed up. Because they were in his sphere, they belonged with him. And then, and again, so soon they're telling them, you're in my sphere, I like you, but to belong with me, you have to be circumcised. Yes, you're in my sphere, and I like you, and I'll be nice to you, I'll smile at you. I might ask you that three awkward introductory questions that I ask everyone, but you can't belong with me because of blank. And, and we, as a church, we as families, we as individuals, need to decide, are people going to just belong with us? Are, are people just in my neighborhood because they're in my sphere, do they belong with me? And that seems nice for us to say, and we're all like, yes, of course we are. <laughs> of course we are. But I, I can name things in my life and people's faces are popping up while I'm talking to you that I know I don't think they belong with me. I hate it. And it's testing God's patience. And so I just, I just want us, as we get back into Acts, to understand, again, this is, this is still us. Acts is still the story of us. It's not just the story of our beginning. It is a story of our now. We have to remember that as we go through it. I know we've had a break. We've had two months off of it. Um, the stories are going to get even crazier. It's, it's, a fun, it's a fun second half. But we have to, again, remember we are a part of it. This is speaking directly to us. We could be in each of these stories. And so let's just know that and let's deal with ourselves accordingly. All right? So let's stand together. So we're gonna, I'm going to pray, um, and then we're going to have a time of communion. What that looks like is this. Um, I'm going to say uh, a liturgy of response, so you'll repeat back with me, and then we will say the Lord's Prayer together. After that, the band's going to play two songs. During those songs, um, whenever you feel comfortable, we have communion at the back. You just take the bread, dip it in the cup, enjoy communion, and then worship however you see fit. And we need you to know here that this communion, this table is a way we and Jesus say you belong.
just because you're here, you are welcome at the table. Just because you came with us on this day, we want to say this is something that is for you, for everyone. No matter what part of the faith journey you're on, if you would say you're a Christian or not, if you would say you're a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a Baptist or whatever, we say this is for you. Right? The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup. May we know your presence in our sharing. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done.